Hello and welcome to Invasion of the Weird. We are back today with another tale of creepiness, sounds of spookiness, and all that other good stuff Agent H usually says. I'll take the lead on this episode. I am the G-Man. We are accompanied by Agent H and your new favorite intern, Boogeyman Bob. This is Agent H, Invasion of the Weird. I'm Boogeyman Bob. All right, Boogeyman Bob, you are the favorite intern. However, we may need to give you a better pseudonym. So we're going to talk about a couple creepy cryptids today, specifically skinwalkers and werewolves and a couple other things. I'd like to thank everybody for being here. And before we start, I'd like to do a quick callback. We did our last episode about the Mothman. And Agent H here was telling us his own in-house theory on the mothman do you want to give us a quick synopsis of that yeah so definitely go back and check out season two episode two mothman herald of doom where we went through different sightings of the mothman new stories of the mothman theories on what the mothman could be but in-house we are starting to believe that the mothman as described in encounters with a creature as being angelic truly is an angelic form but a fallen one as in one of the angels who fell with the watchers a la the book of enoch and is described in the book of genesis as one of the main reasons for the flood that destroyed the earth now the watchers for their sins were forced to watch tragedy until the end of days so go back and check out season two episode two mothman herald of doom and uh See if the Watchers fit the bill for the Mothman. Exactly. So, going off of that, I believe I said it in the last episode, we did talk about how the Mothman's been consistently seen since about 2011 in Chicago, right? Correct. So, I made a a reach out to an acquaintance of mine from the area, and he actually said, no, I'm not kidding. I have seen the Mothman, and this is the story. And I, I really do think it adds up to your own theory. You're telling me you, you got agency boots on the ground or just an acquaintance you got out there stations in Chicago? Civilian. Civilian? Civilian. All right, G, let's go for it. All right, so this is a man that I would call a mentor for a while, and he, he grew up out in Chicago. So we were talking about it. I said, listen. I I know of a couple guys, they run a podcast, couldn't let them know it was us, because that would blow our own cover. I was talking about how he's from Chicago, and I was wondering if he knew anything about how the the Mothman's been seen. He says, you know what, I did see him, like 10 years ago, circa 2012. I said, dead ass? He said, for sure. He's from Chicago, that's just how he talks, I love it. Anyway, he goes on to explain that he experience that he thought was a dream almost like a sleep paralysis where a large black figure that meets the description of mothman but with a white face he he said it doesn't match the description of the red eyes but he knows damn well that it was mothman and his wife thinks he's crazy to this day time out time out real quick so g 
just keeping on the whole angelic theme, Bible talks about multiple times where an angel will come to somebody in a dream, and the first thing they say is, do not be afraid. Why? Because they're fucking terrifying. That's why. Exactly. So I said, what happens? He said, you ever had one of those dreams where you think you're awake but can't move? It was just like that. He was just looking at me. Didn't say a word. Completely black except for a bright white face. I said, can you explain what you were feeling? He said, a a little bit of fear. But I knew that the creature of me was mostly heavenly just by staring at its face. I said, that's crazy because I didn't even tell him about your own theory. He went on to tell me that the creature gave off vibes. He didn't speak, but they... They communicated in a way just while he was laying in bed, almost frozen in, in fear from this otherworldly cosmic creature. But he knew that he needed to be more aware of his surroundings and, and really follow his instincts for the following day. He believes that Mothman was to give him some sort of warning because the following day, He was living in a bad neighborhood out in Chicago, and during a summer, a park that he regularly played basketball at was shot up in a drive-by where six of his friends died, 11 were were shot but not killed, and he had just left to get some water from the corner store. This creature tried to give him a warning before having to witness its own atrocity in Chicago. He believes it to to be the Mothman. That's horrifying. That's nuts completely dark angelic thing but it was able to show its face as not being dark yeah it was it was a very bright white face he said he couldn't really mat- reach out the figure the features but it didn't quite match the big red eyes that the typical description is but he he, he really does believe that he was encountered with the mothman did you tell him about the in-house theory i told him about it after he told me his version and uh what do you say he wanted to know my sources. I said, look into the book of Enoch. He goes, Oh, I know of the book of Enoch. I just don't know too much about it. So I went on to explain about how the book of Enoch describes angels that had been cast out of heaven for loving humanity too much. And that I truly do believe that the Mothman is not there to commit the atrocities, but is stuck there to witness them. But because he loves humanity so much, he, he tries his best to warn them before disaster strikes. Wow. That is a hell of a follow-up, G-Man. I, I figured we should do a quick follow-up because uh, we had this conversation. I didn't know about the Chicago thing, and I reached out to him immediately because he's, you know, he's a really good man. Anyway, that's my well, follow-up on the Mothman. Well, hopefully it'll be a listener if he doesn't blow your cover. Well, you know what? I'll, uh, I'll shoot him a link to the back channel's after this episode. How about that? Sounds good, mate. Now, today we're going to be talking about skinwalkers. The only reason I'm comfortable using the term skinwalker is because the skinwalker is a creature of Navajo legend, and it is believed that if you were to say its name in its native tongue, it would attract it. Well, just to extrapolate on that a little bit, we're not just talking about the skinwalker. Today's episode focuses on creatures that have a human origin that turn into a beast. So something that transmutes its characteristics from that of a man into an animal, or the approximation of a man into an animal, 
really creatures and cursed things and basically the beastly damned. Yes. In that sense, we're going to be talking about a couple things that are, what would we call them? Transformers, transmutators. I think they're transmorphers. Perfect. Now, I think uh, maybe were monsters. Oh, let's go with were monsters. Is a skinwalker a were monster? By all means of the word, yes. So there's a lot of different kinds of were things from around the world. Obviously, there's a werewolf, where man turns into a wolf. Everyone's familiar with that. Anybody who played the Elder Scrolls games might be familiar with the were bears. Some places have were tigers, like in India, they have were tigers, were jaguars from South America. Every culture has an evil being that transforms itself into an animal in order to prey upon the innocent. You're going to get into the skinwalker that travels in the desert. Yeah, so as you are aware, I did some traveling out into the desert. Uh, I went on a couple of assignments out across southern states, and this is where I found a a couple, couple leads. And just not to lead the witness too much on this one, you have, in the recent past, visited the Amarillo Zoo, am I correct? That's, that is true. I did make a recent trip to the Amarillo Zoo. I would like to get into that, but we, we don't know quite yet. I, I do believe it was a skinwalker. The only problem is skinwalkers are not native to that area in, in Texas. So that's my biggest issue. They're not native to the area. However, they are... How would I put this? Maybe it's a beast of the same root. It, it could be a beast of the same root. I do know that skinwalkers tend to be territorial, and I know that we've been encroaching on their territory for quite some time now. That being said... Hey, uh, Boogeyman Bob, have you ever heard of the were octopus from the Sugandese region? I sure have not. Yeah, the Sugandese nuts. Ah! Uh, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Got him. I'm an intern. I get it. I That's how that works. Yeah. We'll make an agent out of you yet. Exactly. Now, to talk about skinwalkers, we're going to make this real quick. I just want to give a quick uh, debrief of what they are. As I had stated before, they are from Navajo folklore. They are known to be a type of harmful witch. They do have the ability to turn into, possess, disguise themselves as an animal. In their Navajo language, the original name of which I am not at liberty to say, literally translates to, by means of it, it goes on all fours. It's a very common variety of horror fiction by non-Navajo people, according to every single Skinwalker, TikTok, YouTube documentary, everything that I've seen. People love to think that they're witches right now and just Skinwalkers are cool. Don't know why, because typically they're associated with deaths and bad omens. Kind of following me? So far. All right. So, in that sense, here's a couple stories about skinwalkers. So, they tend to be evil witches that are shunned by their own tribe. They have been known mostly in the New Mexico area, a lot of the Southwest, Arizona, Utah, that kind of area. So being with the Utah area, named after the Utes, right? Yes. So that land originally was occupied by the Navajo. 
That would be correct. And the Utes pushed them out? Also correct. So you can stop me if you were already going to say this, but Utah areas that are covered by the Skinwalker are said to be curses against the Utes for fighting against the Navajo. Correct? That would be entirely correct. In my in my own research, that is what I brought up. I have believed that to be correct in my own research. The reason I say that is because we know that every skinwalker that's been recorded, and I say recorded in a loose term, they are mostly oral stories, as is most teachings of the First Nations people. They're territorial. Once again, Utah used to be a large area of land that was once inhabited by the Navajo people. The most apparent Navajo witch purge, which is uh, one of the biggest turning points of the skinwalkers to be prevalent in stories, happened around 1878. And this is where many of the Navajo people were moving across the land as they were being pushed out by a series of wars with the U.S. Army, other tribes, etc. And they were expelled from their own land and forced to march all the way down to the Bosque Redondo. The Bosque Redondo is specifically where Fort Sumner is now in New Mexico. And that was known as the Long Walk of the Navajo in 1864, is right before when the purge happened in 78. Really cool side note about Fort Sumner is that is where Billy the Kid's grave is currently. And I have my own headcanon of Billy the Kid having to fend off from one or two skinwalkers in his own day. Yeah, you sent me photos from Fort Sumner this last summer on your trips. I did. I, I, I made a couple stops out there because, as you are aware, I'm on mission. I, I made sure to travel all through the weird world of New Mexico, which is why we made sure to swing by Roswell. If you are not aware, Bob is just after the 75th anniversary of the initial crash in in Roswell. I believe I heard something about that. Yes, yeah, so I made sure to stop, say hey to the old heads of the agency, pay my respects, and keep on moving across. Yeah, we'll definitely be doing a 75th Roswell anniversary. Uh, that was just this last month, actually, about a month ago minus a couple extra days, was the 75th anniversary of the Roswell crash. And allegedly, the bodies the agency picked up from that crash. That's also true. I'm really excited to get into that when it comes to that episode. And skinwalkers themselves, they have been on and off-sided for as long as, I would say, since the witch purge of 1878, all the way up until the 90s, the 1990s. So what was this witch purge? What were people purged for? What deemed somebody a witch to be purged during the great Navajo witch purges? When I say witch purges, I do mean that not only were the skinwalkers killed uh, due to effects of wars, uh, the effects of the skinwalkers themselves being territorial and more of a lone wolf as compared to being with the tribe of which they were born into, because this black magic was indeed seen as evil there there are no healers that are the witches uh, that are skinwalkers skinwalkers are not is not a term used for healing witches these people suffered from bad water crops illnesses death it is it is an basically an internal fight between the skinwalkers themselves and the navajo people all right so the navajo have the same idea that 
the child shunned from the tribe will one day be back to burn her down. Absolutely. So what happened when I say the Great Witch Purge is exactly that. The people had seen bad water, failed crops, illness, death, disease, and they they essentially had their own Salem witch trials, really. There were 40 Navajo suspected witches that were killed immediately to restore in order to restore harmony and balance for within the tribe. All right. So what are some other more recent skinwalker sightings and stories? So another big recent one, there's a couple movies out talking about Skinwalker Ranch itself in Utah. Do you guys know anything about it? Yeah, they got the uh, show on History Channel right now. Good for them for having a show, though. The uh, land of Deseret is a place full of not much. So I'll get into it. We'll talk about it. In the 1990s, there's a ranch up in northeast Utah, far away from Navajo reservations, uh, which became a partial focus of the Skinwalkers. Its original name is the Sherman Ranch. It's also known as the Skinwalker Ranch and the UFO Ranch. This is a high-traffic area for all things weird, creepy, cryptid, etc. Like a UFO superhighway. Correct. So this is a place that has a history of UFOs cattle mutilations, crop circles, and it's located near the Ute Indian Reservation. And as you had said previously, a lot of people do believe that the skinwalkers are a curse upon the Ute people for many perceived transgressions. Kind of makes sense? Yeah, so what's, unless Bob's got something, what's going on at the skinwalker ranch? Can you give us a background? Uh, please tell us, G-Man. All right, I, I love to say it. it's it's many sightings. All along Skinwalker Ranch, there's a weird aura about the area, really. They work to avoid it, but the witchcraft really presents itself right there in the area. There's a lot of really weird, like, death to livestock in the area that is unnatural. Like, it's it's mostly just curses that are along the land. There hasn't been very many good crops since since the 90s, really, in that area along the ranch. They've lost a lot of good cattle, and at night, it's said that they're terrorized once in a while. So, let's talk about the squint. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the squint squawker squawks. Okay, in uh, your two-wheeled scooter that was cool in 2007. <laughs> <Go>. <laughs> Segway away. All right, so in the spirit of this being a lighthearted show, tell me more about the Squinskwalker Squanch. You mean Skinwalker Ranch? Yeah, you know what? Tell me all about it, Boogeyman Bob. This is This is your chance to present to the people. I've heard some crazy things about Skinwalker Ranch. I've heard that cattle will show up dead, mutilated, and even drained of their blood. I don't know about you, but I can't imagine being a farmer and waking up and seeing my cattle just bloodless. I don't know what animal does that. I don't know if you do. I've heard of the unexplained crop circles as well, but crop circles are pretty much unexplained most of the time, so nothing new there, but it is interesting that it's in the same places. I these do weird cattle being killed. Just Creatures? 
I do know of a creature that drains you of your life support, like you're describing. I'm listening. It's my axe. <laughs> Got him. Anyways, recently there's been reports of UFOs, and most recently, a giant wolf located on Skinwalker Ranch. Have you guys heard of this at all? Go for a boogeyman, Bob. Well, there's a family there that's been living there since 1992 called the Shermans. And they've been, for a while, or at least at the beginning, they were finding their cattle drained of their blood. And they weren't able to find any pools of blood nearby. And it seemed really strange. The Shermans used to live there. They no longer live there. Yeah, they are. By Bigelow. Bigelow. Oh, I see it. Billionaire Robert Bigelow now owns the Skinwalker Ranch since 1996 and has launched a huge scientific study into what's happening there. Get into the giant wolf of the Sherman Ranch. Okay. There was a scientist named Dr. Jim Sagala who tried to bring forth some sort of explanation as to what is going on around the Skinwalker Ranch. The Shermans had reported seeing strange beasts who would stalk their ranch. And what he came up with is that there's a giant wolf that came off and through the plains. And a group of calves were in a pen. And the wolf put his head through and started pulling on one of the calves through the fence. So the Shermans went inside, got a weapon, and started shooting the wolf. But it didn't do anything. So he went to go get a bigger gun, and the wolf dropped the calf. The animal withstood eight shots they chased it to the border to where the river was they found prints there but it disappeared by the time they got to the other side that's a great retelling of it basically what happened is possible skinwalker because it's a big ass wolf is attacking the cattle they chase it down with some firearms and it just disappears into the night unfortunately their bullets weren't silver so it didn't do anything exactly very good point so it disappeared, possibly through the river or using its transmutation to get into a easier form to sneak away. Possibly a snake. Frogs, even. Correct. I'm just a fan of frogs. Well, there's no nothing wrong with liking frogs. Except for when they put chemicals in the water that turn up gay. Alex Jones. But yeah, uh, is there anything else that you would like to know about the Skinwalker there, H? Any other notable sightings or stories of the Skinwalker? Uh, Only the most recent one, which would be my most recent trip to Amarillo, Texas. What's going on in Amarillo? And Bob said, how recent? When I say how recent, I'm talking like last month. Okay. Yeah. About last month, it was seen May 21st, I'd say. So a while ago. Okay. It was last seen May 21st, and I got onto the scene around June. I would say about June 10th, June 11th. So within a few weeks. I had to make my way over. Now, From Roswell. Among other places along the uh, southern states. Now, what's really weird about this is that there is a photo. I do believe it was posted onto the Instagram as a reference. This photo was taken at the Amarillo Zoo at 1.25 in the morning. It is from the security cameras. It looks right across a fence. And there is a creature that looks not human on the other side staring back towards the animals in the zoo. It is bipedal, but it looks almost wolf-like or dog-like. The Amarillo, or the city of Amarillo itself, had immediately posted a photo about it. 
they they disclosed that they had a photo on June 8th, I believe. And the original sighting was on the 21st. Everybody had their fun with it. They said it could be a skinwalker or a wendigo. It's quite possible. I think even Coors Light said it was actually the beer wolf just stopping in for a visit, which is totally possible. The beer wolf. Yeah, the beer wolf. You don't know about the Coors Light beer wolf? It's news to me. Uh, you know what? I will send you something through the back channels. It's it's pretty damning evidence, I'm not going to lie. But it's 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 a bipedal canine-esque creature. Some people say this was a funny man in a hat. I don't think so. I mean, if it's the beer wolf, it would explain the mullet on the thing. Yeah, this thing's got a mane on it. Anyway, look at the at the photo. By the time I had gotten there, things got really weird. Apparently, it didn't stop visiting for a while. There's there's still a couple sightings out there. We haven't quite figured out what it is. My money's on Skinwalker. People say it could be a chupacabra. You know, I'm looking at photos of the beer wolf right now. Tell me it's a werewolf with a neckerchief and a Coors Light trucker hat. Yeah. I can get behind that. That adds up. Yeah, that's math. Anyway, out here in Amarillo Zoo, where I was, there was sightings of this creature for a good couple weeks. It would only come out at night. It would make these weird whistling sounds when you when it was nearby, almost like it was trying to get your attention somewhere. But the, the clearest photo was right there of the beer wolf, obviously. And really, I just don't know what to make of it. It's It doesn't take bullets. They're not silver. I don't think the Amarillo Police Department is equipped with silver bullets. Probably well, it's like the beer wolf. Could be the beer wolf. Light would be the answer to getting rid of it, right? Because Coors Light is the silver bullet. Technically, you're right. Very wise. Anyway, that's that's what I've got right now is that it's it's still an ongoing investigation. I'll get back to it when I can, but I I just want to know what you guys think of this photo I've got here for you. I know you guys are quite the ways away, and I'm on mission across the world. But what do, what do you think? What do you guys think it could be? Especially you, Bob. What do you think as an intern? Well, my first impression is you know, why is the Skinwalker wearing a cowboy hat? But then I instantly remember it is Texas. Okay. Okay. You you can kind of see he's got the the big iron in his left hand, a cowboy hat on his head, and his right hand's ready to draw. I don't know if he also has a pistol there. But what I'm seeing definitely looks cowboy related. It does. It doesn't look too human. I would imagine that if there was like a, a it it looks wolf related, but in a cowboy position. Maybe it's aware that it's in Texas. You're telling me it's a bow-legged man lassie there? It could be. I just want to play devil's advocate. Maybe it's just a very drunk cowboy who happens to be four foot two. Could be a gnome. You know, those gnomes still haven't hit me up for the challenge of a lifetime from last week's episode. True. But the first thing that I thought of when I saw the unidentified Amarillo object, which... You know, catchy name, UAO, but I feel like you could have come up with something better than that, you know? I agree with that. Another case of the newsmen picking something lazy, and that's just what we call it. Uh, Well, everybody that I know in that area has been just calling it the Skidwalker. But it brings me, because it is so wolf-like in in its appearance, in a bipedal state it is on the other side of that fence, 
It makes me think of, you know, a werewolf. Boogeyman Bob, what do you know about werewolves? Well, I know a lot about werewolf movies. Tell us werewolf movies, some pop culture for us. Before we get into our next scripted. You want to ease into werewolf pop culture, I'm your man. A lot of people know about the classic, An American Werewolf in London. Well, I believe you'll like this, you two specifically. But the known Blues Brothers, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi, were originally supposed to be intended to be in An American Werewolf in London. I find it pretty interesting because a lot of people attribute An American Werewolf in London's success and the Blues Brothers' success together. And I am not here to draw correlation. That's great because the Blues Brothers are the best undercover agents the agency ever had. There's no denying that in any way, shape, or form. The best dressed as well. Agent Aykroyd, on top of owning the Crystal Head vodka line made out of diamonds from Roswell or something. Or something. I believe has a story where he got fellatio from a ghost as a teenager. (laughs) I was going to say, I was exactly going to mention that time that he had intercourse with a ghost. And he's not the only celebrity to claim that they have. This is true. He made a full show in a very similar vein to the one that we're on right now for the Sci-Fi Network. And then when filming the final episode, he stepped out, a bunch of men in black showed up, including a giant of a man without eyebrows, just stared at him. And then they disappeared and he went back in and they told him that uh, it was time to pack up. And those movies, well, those shows being filmed, I've never seen the light of day. Interesting. So I don't know I, what they were on to, but the agency had to crack down and shut it up. Yeah, I wish I got that assignment. Not going to lie. I happen to have some similar knowledge. The first appearance of a werewolf in cinema, are you too aware of it? Is it not the Wolfman? It is not the Wolfman. Uh, I think it was in like the 1920s. You can see it in my head, but I can't think of the name. Well... I'd be happy to enlighten you. It was called The Werewolf. Love it. 1913 silent film. Unfortunately, a fire at Universal Studios in 1924 burned the entire remaining film cans. There is no remaining proof of the original The Werewolf movie from 1913. Wow. That's rough, buddy. It's tragic. Could have been the agency. This is very interesting. How many times a fire has lost history? How we'll never get that history back. Very well, in, in film history, completely unrelated. But you know that part in the Peter Jackson King Kong where they fall off the bridge and they attack those giant bugs? Yeah. So that happened in the original 1930s King Kong. But the insects freaked out everybody so much, they immediately cut it from the film right there. But nobody's been able to track down the cut since. Interesting. The agency strikes again. I'm just saying, we've definitely done some shady things to keep real knowledge out of the people's hands if it gets too close to the truth. Let's just hope we're not caught in this back channel. We're good for now. I'm just an intern. He's just the intern. You're not my supervisor. Any other fancy werewolf pop culture? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've got uh, just a little bit more. sure one of you will touch on this. In Norse mythology... Fenrir is the Norse father of wolves and werewolves. 
And in a Norse-based survival game on PC called Valheim, you can fight Fen Rings and Ulves, which walk on two legs and four legs, respectively. They're very frightening, they're very tough to kill, and it's much easier to kill with silver. Alright, I have a question for you boys. Why is silver an antidote for evil creatures? Oh, I know. Do you know, Bob? Is it something about Mercury and retrograde? No, nah, not that uh, hippie chick newspaper section. Shoot. It is because that was the payment that Judas received for selling out Jesus. I gotta think about that. Yeah, so basically, the idea goes that when such an evil act, betraying Christ, occurred, and the reward for that was 40 pieces of silver, it was already a pure metal, and that's why it was part of money and everything else and was highly sought after. But specifically on a spiritual sense, as far as Western cultures go, from that point forward, silver was a curse to the damned. Well, silver is the reason that Judas killed himself, so... Is that true? Well, the Romans wouldn't take back their uh, money. They were like, Judas, you earned this money. And he was like, I don't want it. I feel like shit. They're like, no, you earned this money. He was like, well, because I'm going to kill myself. Go yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't sell out your homies. That's the lesson in that. That is the lesson in that. All right. Also, so don't be weird us. when you're like going to sell out your homies and be like, oh, yeah, cops. Uh, you'll know which one's Jesus because it's the one I'm going to kiss. You can just point at him. Is that why you can't kiss the homies goodnight? No, you definitely can kiss the homies goodnight. That's that's still okay. Is that a, the Old Testament or the New? Uh, this is the New Testament. Okay, I subscribe with the Old, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, get back on track. Werewolves. Makes me want to talk about the Beast of Bray Road. Are you guys familiar with the Beast from Bray Road in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Yeah, it's uh it's a werewolf. The um, lo- the local PD carries silver bullets with them specifically for that werewolf. All right, we'll be right back with a word from our sponsors. All right, we're back. Yeah, just to build off what G-Man was saying in the previous segment before our break, there is those in the sheriff's department of the Walworth County Sheriff's office that because of this creature seen on Bray Road and around the area, not just confined to Bray Road, but they carry silver bullets to fend off this evil thing, most likely a werewolf. The thing that really separates the Beast of Bray Road from the other kinds of cryptids that we talk about, we talked about Mothman. Point Pleasant has a statue of Mothman and a festival that they do every year celebrating the creature. We talked about Sasquatch. All up and down the Pacific Northwest, Northern California, all the way through Canada, you can't throw a stone without hitting a place selling Bigfoot t-shirts. You go to Roswell, the entire town is extraterrestrial themed. You go to Alcorn, Wisconsin, there's a beer named after it. But the folks don't want to talk about the beast because they truly see it as something demonic, something satanic a creature of the occult that they wish didn't curse their town. So like other werewolves in stories, this thing has a lot of similarities. A lot of the other creatures 
from around the world. In France, there's the Lou Guru. And in the 1700s, there's a very famous case of a giant wolf in the, pardon my non-French pronunciation, but the uh, Gévaudan region, where in a three-year span, this creature killed upwards of 300 people before finally being slain by a hunter, possibly using a silver bullet, according to the stories, taking this beast out. You take that French Lugaru and bring it down into Louisiana with Creoles and the Cajuns, and they have a creature called the Rougarou, which is another wolf-like creature that is in the swamps down there in the bayou and terrorizes people. There's been a lot of stories of the dog man being seen in Michigan and in Florida and other places around the United States. In fact, a few years back, and I'm sure we can put this up on the Instagram, there was a man who was terrified on Facebook Live saying that he had just seen a creature in his backyard. So he's sitting there having a cigarette, trying to tell all his friends about what he had just seen. And he goes back out to the screen door and very quickly after that, you see a giant wolf-like creature on its hind legs run through the backyard on video. Did you guys see that video? I did not. All right, I'll have to find it for you and send it to you, but it's terrifying. It's a good one. Don't get me wrong. It makes you think. But I think the werewolf of the most notoriety is, is Van that Helsing, Hugh Jackman. Is not Van Helsing, Hugh Jackman. Great reference, though. Is the Beast of Bray Road. So this thing, the first recorded sighting dates all the way back to 1936, where a man named Mark Shackleman, and that's not Rusty Shackleford, that's Mark Shackleman, who was the night watchman at a Catholic facility for helping the developmentally disabled. Part of the grounds that that facility took care of was a lot of burial grounds, including a Native American burial ground. There was burial mounds, right? Yeah. Go on. So the first time he saw the creature while he was out making the rounds, being the caretaker, being the watchman, he saw what he thought was a large dog digging into the burial mound. And when he went up to it with his flashlight, it turned around, stood up on its hind legs and looked at him, to which he prayed for his life and the creature left into the woods. You know, a large dark canine on two legs, large claws, large yellow eyes, large teeth. And that'd be enough to scar him for life if he didn't see the creature for a second time the next night. The second time he saw him, the creature approached him from the woods in the same situation. But this time, it made a guttural, almost proto-language-like pagan noise that sounded like a word to him. So in a low, deep, rumbling voice, this thing said, Gadara. Gadara? Yes, Gadara. But, like, super deep, super rough. Not with the voice of an intern. Not with the voice of an intern. Frankly, when he relayed this story to his son, he said it was, quote, a demon straight from hell. And it goes with the theme of what the people of Elkhorn, Wisconsin, consider this thing. A demon straight from hell. Does the name Gadara ring any bells to either of you? 
Um, yes. Can you place your finger on it? Oh, let's... All I can think of is Gamora. You like know? the city in Jordan? Yeah. Yeah. Gadara was the place that Jesus cast the legion of demons into the swine. Yeah, the... Okay, we're on the same page here. Okay. So Go this on. man at an Indian burial ground saw what he considered a demon straight from hell. And the only word it uttered was the name of a place in the Bible where a man was exercised of a legion of demons. So numerous that the only name they could give was Legion. We are Legion. Crazy, right? That's intimidating. It's kind of nuts, not going to lie. I think we're on a weird path these past two episodes. Yeah, we are on a weird path, but uh, the Beast of Bray Road goes on from there. So... From the 30s, there are then sightings, and not as many, but through the 60s and the 70s, and then eventually 80s, they pick back up. But they called this thing like the Bluff Monster or the Eddie. It didn't become the Beast of Bray Road until a lady by the name of Linda Godfrey, working for the local paper, was researching a story and went to the local animal control where they had a giant file labeled werewolf on it what yeah so just get into some of those files in that file right a game warden once picked up a deer well an elk and had it in the back of the pickup saw the beast it took the elk straight out of the back of his pickup another story which was related to the department of natural resources a woman said the beast had come up to her house and tried to claw its way in. When they went out to check her residence, they found 12-inch tracks and giant claw marks in her screens on her windows and her doors. Passing motorists on Highway 11 claimed to have seen the beast eating on the side of the road multiple times. In fact, forgive that this story takes place on October 31st, Halloween of 1991, but there were multiple Bray Road Beast Encounters on that night. I don't know to get into the spooky woo-woo where Halloween is kind of the nexus for this stuff being possible, but a woman is traveling down the road and she thought she'd hit something. She gets out to check. Holy shit, there's a goddamn werewolf out there. She hops in her car, drives away. She can see this thing chasing her car on two legs. Jesus catches up to her car, sinks its claws into her fender, and then she's able to escape. So this thing can run faster than a Great Dane. It's... To use a Zoomer term, it's fast as fuck, boy. Yeah, it's at least as fast, if not faster than Great Dane. Therefore, it would probably fuck up Scooby-Doo and the gang. No, just me, all right. No, that's that's funny. That same night, when investigators went to check on this sighting, sure enough, there were claw marks down the back of this car. Hmm. Interesting. Later seen that same night, the second witness, you know, because they're going out to a Halloween event, then it was seen again. The second witness said, quote, it was a freak of nature, one of God's mistakes. You mean G-Man? That was that was rough. <laughs> I just 
<laughs> I don't have a better joke. You better watch your tone with me there, intern. Uh, well, you know. My question is, is there any evidence of this? Do we get pictures of the vehicle? Do we do we get some sort of police report? There's not as much evidence as you would like there to be. There is some evidence. And Linda Godfrey here kind of made a name for herself after doing all the gumshoeing on the Beast of Bray Road. There's a rather large book that she published with a lot of the evidence from her collection on that. But to get into other crazy stories, in December of 1990, there's a group of school children sledding when they saw what they thought was a large German shepherd coming to them until it hopped up on two feet, chased them away. How old were the kids? Oh, probably like eight, nine, as far as I can tell in the story. Okay. Did they live? Yeah, they lived. They got away. That's good. As far as these stories go, the town takes it very seriously. They're, they're stories of they honestly believe that this is something occult, this is something satanic, this is an evil creature out in the woods. In fact, there's a man who bought a ranch in 2013 right there on Bray Road. And Bray Road isn't like regular roads. It's not It's not a public road. It's a private road owned by the Bray family that's been farming there for five generations. So when this man bought his ranch, he was told that those fields right there is where you'll find the beast. So he set up a bunch of trail cams to try and catch this thing. And he would bring in roadkill and leave it out in front of trail cams in order to let it go, try to catch the monster. And sure enough, he did catch stuff on those trail cams. Do you want to know what he got? I do, I do. So he didn't actually get any werewolves. But the stroke cams are full of UFOs, lights in the skies. And in one case, he put a full deer carcass out in front of one. And right when the deer carcass goes missing in front of the trail cam, a big thick mist rolls in and then rolls out and there's no deer carcass there anymore. Was there any sign that a deer had been there? Afterwards, well, I mean? Well, he no, the deer was gone. He put the deer carcass there in front of it to film this. Yes, but was there... two loading graphics showed up, and then there was no deer. Was there any blood trail, any remains? It just disappeared completely? Disappeared without a trace. Interesting. Interesting. You know, just to get into theories on what this beast is, the town's theory is that it could literally be the devil himself. It's something satanic, something occult, something demonic. But when this flap was happening... Linda Godfrey actually got a letter from an anonymous source that claimed the Beast of Bray Road was a chimeric creature created by the government as some sort of super soldier. That's one theory. Another theory, uh, famous USG man. Just putting it out there, I'm sending you a photo through the back channels right now. Never mind, that's a terrible quality. But that is allegedly from Bray Road. Yeah, I've seen this photo, and I don't put much stock in it, but we can still put it up on the Instagram, see what people think. I think it's neat. But yes, I, I agree with everything that you're saying right now. PS2 loading graphics makes sense. Some famous cryptozoologists like Lauren Coleman believe that the Brave Road Beast is not truly a werewolf, but might be a subspecies of Sasquatch that's only five 
to seven feet tall, unlike the taller brethren around the country. Hmm. But as we were getting into the dog man that's been popping up all over Michigan, all over Florida, all over different parts of the United States, I kind of got its kickoff from the incident there at Bray Road. And I think the fact that the town is so spooked that the sheriff's office literally carries silver bullets should have a lot of weight to it. Really makes you think. What do you think, Bob? Yeah, you think it's a dog soldier or is it Lon Chaney Jr. out there? The thing I find interesting is that much unlike Mothman, these sightings of werewolves and skinwalkers seem malicious. The story of the kids that were sledding, being chased, the woman who had to run out of her house and drive away from one. It seems that something about this has an animal nature. I would say that if anything would be realistic, I would expect it to be some sort of man that can turn into the werewolf. All right. I'm sure we'll do more on the dog man in a later episode. Because that, as far as cryptids go, that one's been blowing up. But just to cover some of these were beasts, I think this might be a good place to leave this episode. I, I'd say that's fair. Audience, once again, we do always have our Instagram open for messages, comments, and our voicemail. Tell us what you guys think. We have been collecting some great paranormal stories to share on this year's Halloween special. Feel free to drop an audio at anchor.fm slash invasion of the weird. Write us up on Instagram. Soon there will be a YouTube channel. But at us for this week, this is Agent H. I'm the G-Man. I'm Boogeyman Bob, the intern. We're signing off.